Hello and welcome to Inner Grace. This podcast is for the ones longing to experience true permanent healing at a soul level, rebuild a working relationship with the divine and reconnect to the inner and outer grace that is available to all at any moment. I'm your host Shiloh and I'll be chatting with some of the world's most magical humans and leading mystics on all things soul-led from spirituality, consciousness, love, sexuality, relationships and true transformation from the inside out. These conversations are designed to elevate your consciousness, reunite you with your soul and help you experience more love, joy, peace and power in your life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, may you find what you're seeking here and in your own inner well. Let's jump in. Hello and welcome back to Inner Grace. Today I am so incredibly excited because I get to talk to a man. (laughs) And if you guys know me, you know how passionate I am about not just soul union, but about union between man and woman in relationship, in parenting, in brothers and sisters, in all of the things. I really believe that we get to come back together. So today I get to talk to an incredible man. His name is Sean. He is a transformational coach. He works with empowering people to connect back in with themselves, connect back in with their truth, with their souls. And he's super passionate about relationships too. So welcome, Sean. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm excited to see where this conversation goes in the flow and essence of whatever comes through. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I love that. And for those who are listening, we don't have a plan. And I love doing podcasts or anything without a plan because it actually allows for grace. It allows for God, universe, source, whatever you want to call it, to move through, which is the best thing ever when we can get out of the way of it. So (laughs) my first question for you, Sean, is what is your... um, What do you believe to be true for yourself around what God or grace or universe or source is? Mm, Great question. (laughs) What isn't it? Ooh. So it's really in its simplest form, what isn't it? And when we believe that it is something, then there's a limitation in that. So if we look at the universe and everything that's in it, it is limitless within that everything is always consistently like for an example of that if we look at a piece of fruit a piece of fruit has seeds in it if we take the seeds out we can eat the fruit plant the seeds and then that grows more of that fruit it's limitless and everything compounds on itself therefore we are limitless beings so yeah in, in its truth it's like what what aren't we mm. That's like the best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> yes, right? The isness and the is notness, the the everything and the nothing. Yeah. And I love that example about the fruit and the seed because it's all eternal and it just keeps going and going and going, just transitioning from one state to the other. So I love that. I'm curious, do you believe the same thing about the soul as you do about what God is? What's your opinion of the soul? <laughs> mm. From my experience of this soul and this body, yes, I definitely believe in this soul has been in journeys 
other than this one. I feel it and know it <laughs> through my own experiences, whether that be from passed down generational stuff or whether that be from this soul's experience. I don't feel this soul is very young, but has been through a lot to get to here in this lifetime and many others. So, yeah, I feel like it's evolving quite rapidly in this life or in this body. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that answers it. <laughs> it does. Have you always felt like you've been consciously connected with your soul or has it been something that's been in recent years? What's your kind of journey with your own spirituality, your own soul being? Yeah, I, I believe there was a connection but very disconnected from a young age. There's a, there was always this belief in something, which was looking back now, not a something, but an essence of being. And that didn't really come through probably until about 10 years ago. So to give you context of that, um, I had, I suppose, an experience with death. Um, and that was a pretty profound moment. And that was really the pivotal point of my life where I kind of like woke up in hospital and remember my mom just like sitting sitting there beside or on the bed looking at me and when i woke up this was weeks later from the occurrence which was to give you context was suicide so i woke up from from that um and that's where everything kind of changed for me it was a massive pivotal point and that's where i sort of started piecing my life together to get to here um, really started questioning everything about myself rather than questioning everything about everybody else. And that's kind of like where everything started. Like, and that's a journey in itself. Like there's many steps within that to get to this place or this time right now. Um, but that was a pivotal point. And that's kind of like where it all started. And that's where it's just been compounding as such. Yeah, to get to here. Here we are. Mm. Beautiful. If there's anyone listening that's navigating that, I come from a space as well of being suicidal. And that was actually the beginning of my journey as well. Um, I didn't get to the hospital point by the grace of God, but I remember having this very clear moment where it was um, either I'm going to take the bottle of sleeping pills and I'm not going to wake up again, or I'm going to wake up. And I picked up my first book because I was desperate to end the suffering. My mom also tried to commit suicide multiple times. So there's history there as well. But I'm curious for you, if there's anyone listening that might be in that space, if there's anything that you can offer for them for where they are right now, having been there yourself. Yeah, it's, it's a very individual space. It's like there's, there's elements that show up for people when they're in that, that, um, in that depression or that it's really that level of depression, which is like an ongoing occurrence of depression. It's not like oh, I'm depressed, like we can all get depressed at times, but it's how we navigate that um, and what our support network looks like and all that, that on a deeper level, how connected we are to ourselves. And looking back then, I was very disconnected. So like... If anyone's out there listening, the more you get to know yourself, the more you connect to yourself, the more self-acceptance, the more self-awareness you have of yourself, it doesn't tend to get to that place. 
And the blocks to that are really just in its simplest form is our self or the, the ego self or the lower self or whatever we kind of want to title it. That's the block. And the more you can open up to what you currently believe in will clear the channel to discover more of yourself. And whether that's through coaching, mentoring or support or whatever it looks like for you or whatever kind of next step looks like for you is kind of like where I would start. There's a lot of support out there with suicide awareness and all these kinds of things. I believe they're missing something because it's by the time we want to create awareness for someone that's normally too late. It's too late. There's no prevention. So we need to look at like more of a prevention thing than a, Hey, when you're depressed, you need to reach out because when you're depressed, you don't reach out. You you don't have that. You feel, you feel lonely. You feel like you're a burden and you also feel helpless within yourself. So the last thing you're going to do is reach out to somebody. Um, That's the missing loop. I feel it's, hey, how can we start to bring programs to everyone prior to so we can create collectively more conscious people of themselves, which is going to have a bigger impact than maybe awareness. Mm -hmm. could be wrong, but... (laughs) I love that you added that at the end. I could be wrong. It's one of my favourite things. (laughs) Like, well, I could be right, I could be wrong. Either way, it doesn't really matter. You navigate that, you think about that for yourself. Yeah. I actually love that we have ended up here, which I didn't expect at all. But from you being a man and you being around men often and um, working at men's retreats and being in that space, it's not a space that I'm in quite as much. What I do know to be true is that men are very much suffering. The suicide rate is so much higher. I wonder if you have any thoughts on why that is the case it's a massive thing thing, but we've ended up here so I'm just gonna go with it so like I think number one like society and the ideals of what a man should look like and what a man should be and how he should act who he needs to be in this world to fit in all contributes to uh this shutting down Mm. so our voice shuts down (laughs) We're we're very good at suppressing and not being with our feelings or on a deeper level ourselves. We're not willing to speak our truth and what we actually want. We do what society says we should do. And until we understand like that imprint phase of our own life and really understand ourselves and what we actually deeply desire and what that looks like and what that feels like, when we own our deepest values or our highest values and we live through them, Hmm. not much changes. And in my experience, we get ourselves into relationships and that's playing out already and we get ourselves into relationships and that's when it all falls apart. We don't understand ourselves as men and what our needs are as men and we make them wrong usually. And on the other side, we don't understand women. (laughs) We don't understand what a woman is. We understand what they look like. We understand what they feel like. We understand all these things. We don't actually understand who they are and what they need. And a big part of that is 
when we don't understand ourselves and we don't understand women is it causes a lot of conflict and men are good at holding on to the conflict as well as women, but in a different way, we do it in different ways. And then that's when like the terminology, like men will, won't express their love towards a woman in the way that she wants it. And men and women will express a level of disrespect or it's called, you know, whatever you want to call it, like like, uh, emasculation or any of these kinds of words, like, women will express that to try and get their love and then men will be crushed. Men feel crushed in that disrespect. Yes. And that just compiles onto a man and over a period of time and then, you know, most people have families and all these kinds of things and then you add kids onto that and you add everything else onto that, like, and then what's socially acceptable in society, like with alcohol and drugs and all these things, creates more of that. So we're compounding all this suppression and emotion over a period of time. That's going to lead to that density of depression. Mm-hmm. And that's my experience of it. Yeah. I can't remember what the original question was. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was answered beautifully and it's led right back into relationships as well, which I love. So like I said at the beginning, this is one of my favorite topics ever. I really believe that we're entering into a time where men and women need to really come back to each other and learn to meet each other again as the uniqueness that each are rather than trying to continue this energy of equality, which was so important at the time. But what has happened is there's been kind of this desire to make men and women the same. And we're completely different from the way our hormones operate to the way our brains work to communication styles. There's so many beautiful differences. So I really believe that we have to relearn each other again, relearn ourselves and relearn the the men in our lives, the women in our lives again as well. So I'm curious what you feel are the main struggles or what you've noticed for yourself or you notice for men around you in relationship with women either in romantic relationship or you know relationship with women in general mm. <laughs> and the truth it's like where, where do you want to go with it <laughs> um, anywhere you feel yeah like if I was putting my finger on and say one like one thing mm-hmm. I would say it's our own work in the way like, mm-hmm. and when I say work, it's like understanding ourselves and our wounding or trauma or whatever you kind of want to label it. Basically, whatever's in the way of you having what you really deeply desire. Mm-hmm. It's our ability to navigate that and our ability to lean into ourselves and discover ourselves and be open to that without getting into this kind of like reactivity kind of energy or this reactive kind of place in our life and we'll only know when we're in that kind of energy when we're aware of what's above that or what does so like when I'm talking about like energy masculine feminine energy or any of these kinds of things like I like to like have like a spectrum so a spectrum would be like shadow wounded to a juvenile and then we go into mature and then we go into like divine so we've got like kind of a scale and it's like well where are you playing from where are you willing to own that you're playing from in different areas and different situations in your life because we won't be one thing all the time. We'll be multiple things in different areas and multiple different uh, situations and different environments. It's like what predominantly are you playing out of? What energy are you coming from? 
I like to talk from that place a lot. Like, where are you coming from right now? Like, if you were to label it and we can give you some labels, where are you coming from right now? And when we can understand and have that self-awareness and self-reflection, that's the key to having a relationship because you can self-reflect while you're having a conversation and readjust while having a conversation rather than be in this reactive energy and it go very pear-shaped and not in the way you wanted and depending on your imprint phases and your attachment styles and all of these kinds of things that come into it, like where that conversation or where that conflict is actually going to head. And when we can understand all these little bits and pieces, we can kind of start to navigate ourselves and we navigate any kind of relationship with a sense of ease and confidence, not saying that it's going to play out all the time, but we still have that ability to come back and readjust and grow and learn each other in that. Yeah. I love that. I think what you said about reactivity is key as well, because I like to say we get stupid when we get uh, <laughs> when we get activated, your brain stops working. When you're in a trigger, it's the worst time to be having any kind of conversation about your relationship, which comes down to ownership and awareness, having enough awareness to go, well, I've gotten real stupid right now. I need to step outside so I can come back to this in a minute. So Hmm. Aside from ownership and aside from learning how to respond instead of react, what are ways do you feel that the feminine can help support the masculine in in their lives or women can help support men? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good question. Like what comes to mind is like I think like from like history and the way like the feminine has like risen in society and all these things have happened. There's like a worldview that's been passed down, generational, where it's like they perceive men as being like just being able to handle anything a woman throws at them as such. (laughs) And this leads back into the conversation of depression and all these kinds of things. But we're not that emotionally tough. We can be when we need to be, but we still want to be held. (laughs) We still want to express ourselves, like depending, you know, And then that's another conversation around, you know, how we're expressing ourselves, you know, like I'm not talking like a man coming from a wounded masculine energy and expressing himself with force. I'm talking about, you know, like a mature man or a divine kind of embodied man where he's able to express himself and not feel disrespected in that. That creates a lot of safety in the relationship both ways. It's not one-sided. Like in my experience, when that happens, then the woman can experience more love from the man. Mm. She can get what she needs from the man more often and it kind of opens up the relationship to a whole another dimension and level of experience and intimacy. Yeah, I can't remember the original question again. <laughs> this is yeah. so good actually. Yeah. So it does, I don't even care if you can't remember yeah, the original sure. question because you're saying yeah. such wonderful things. Mm. And half the time I'm listening to what you're saying and I can't even remember my original question either. So it's all perfect. So something else I want to ask, you spoke about earlier this crushing feeling that the masculine experiences and it's something that I have encountered in my own work in learning about men where you can actually, for any ladies listening to this, if you're actually watching your men or men in your life carefully, 
you can see when there's like a crushing that happens and it's almost like a deflating and also when the opposite happens when the the chest kind of comes out and your man will straighten up and it's a really beautiful thing to watch what happens in the body both for men and women but specifically for men but I'm curious, you spoke about crushing and disrespect. So what are the ways you feel that women might not be super conscious of that they might be operating in a way that is crushing to a man or disrespect yeah. to a man? The disrespect shows up in ways where it's almost like, so it's not from like ill intent. It's not from a place of not like love. It, it's a place of like not being aware or not conscious of, how that that person receives the information or receives the tonality or receives the energy behind it. Um, That has more effect on both sides, but on men and women, depending on like if I'm expressing to you and you're expressing to me how I talk to you makes you feel a certain way. And it's like when we can understand that our tone and our, our energy behind ourselves has such a more, such a more profound influence over our being, especially with our kids and stuff that has a big impact. So it's more, again, it's more looking at where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. If you've got that ability to have self-reflection, it's like, okay, I I noticed I just did that to my partner. I just noticed my demeanor in my partner change. What did I just say? And how would he receive that? It's really like questioning yourself is going to have the biggest impact in any kind of relationship rather than it be, a certain sentence like uh, your partner, just say I'm doing the dishes and I'm doing that and then your partner comes up and just sort of dismisses you and said, I'll finish them because you don't do it properly. Mm. A simple thing like that can have a big impact in the relationship of a partner doing something out of love and respect or whatever, doing simplest jobs as like hanging clothes on the washing line or doing any of these things and you dismiss that activity rather than the appreciation of the activity, even if it's not done to your standards, yes. has a big impact on, on a, such a like a profound uh, surface level. That has a big impact in all of the relationship because if you're doing it in the, the micro, then you're probably doing it in the macro. You're probably doing that in the bedroom. You're probably doing that with, <laughs> with the kids. You're probably doing that with the big important things with money and all of these things like in some aspects, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. It's not entirely true. It does collapse. But in this context, it normally plays out like that. It's like if you're doing it with the little insignificant things, you're doing it with the significant things. Mm. So it's more about having that self-reflection about how it's being received. And if you're not sure, ask your partner. <laughs> and if he probably won't answer you straight away, he probably won't give you the answer, the truth answer straight away, but it's something you can cultivate within the relationship through having that safe space of listening and not reacting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was just checking you. Yeah, I think I finished. I could probably go a little bit more. (laughs) Yes, I love what you said. And so for anyone listening to this, especially women, and I say that with all of the love in my heart, that I don't believe criticism works. Mm. I don't believe criticism in relationship work. What I've found is that women tend to be more critical without even realizing they're doing it a lot of the time, especially like, you know, with the example you used around, you know, the man is helping, he's doing the dishes or something, and then it's always you're doing it wrong. 
you know, it's like you, you must do it exactly my way. And it comes from a space of control, which is another main thing for women. So you need to actually let go of a little bit of the control, <laughs> just a little bit, ladies, and allow some space for not just the men, but the people in your life to actually show up and support you and have space to do the thing without it needing to be perfect. <laughs> But criticism just doesn't work. It really doesn't work. The way that you get better results is through appreciation. It's a profound tool in relationships. Truly, truly profound, in my opinion. What else? What else? This is so good. So, like, this might lead us to another conversation. Can I ask you a quick question? Yes, go ahead. Does that, so that, that control from a woman's perspective, is that led into not allowing to re- like receive. So like more of that dropping into more feminine energy and whatnot. Is that ability or a block to receiving more in your perspective? <laughs> it, it, it is in mine. And I feel like that holds a man away from stepping into a more of a masculine and leading in the relationship. Because that has a, in my experience, that has a tendency to lead back to the previous couple of conversations we've had here. Yes. I love this question and I feel like there are a few aspects. You're absolutely right with the receiving part. A lot of women really struggle to receive support, to open to support and to be in that receptive mode. And part of that is that they've overdeveloped their masculine energy or they have shields, which comes from trauma or comes from growing up with mothers that came from the feminist period that were very much like my mom was the same, like, you know, make sure that you never need a man kind of thing. So we're kind of trained in that way as well. And then the other two things that I see is not trusting not Mm. trusting that if we do open that we're going to be held and safe in that safety is a really big thing and sometimes that will have nothing to do with our current partner it can have to do with previous relationships where we have opened and we haven't been held and safe and all of the things so it's like a dance between her opening and learning to be safe in it and him showing up and proving that he can hold and also vice versa because it goes both ways like you were talking about earlier and then the third thing which is something Alison Armstrong who's an incredible relationship human being (laughs) talks about which is this idea that women have in their heads that they're mostly unconscious of of the perfect woman like this ideal perfect woman and how the perfect woman does things. And we're always comparing ourselves to this ridiculous idea of the perfect woman who is like always perfectly dressed and has perfect hair and perfect makeup and perfect skin and is always at the perfect weight and is always perfectly on time and has the meals always perfectly cooked and the children beautiful and it goes on and on and on and on. So it's like this comparison that we're always making with this ideal woman with ourselves. And Mm. then this thing we do that we don't even realize where we expect men to also live up to the idea of not the perfect man, but the perfect woman. So how we operate, right? (laughs) I I totally, I totally agree. He's nodding. He's like, yeah, I can see it. I can see it. I can feel it. (laughs) I've seen it. But we're not even aware of it, right? And it really like hits when you talk to women about it. Like when a woman says like, well, he should be doing this or he should be behaving this way. It comes from a space of when you ask them, it's like, you know, why should he? And they'll be like, oh, 
because that's what I would do. No, not even what I would do, what the perfect woman would do. Yeah. And it's, yeah, right? And you follow it down and it gets kind of crazy. So I believe those are all the, com- the components. Yeah, it's, I love it's, that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It's a, <laughs> a good question. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting topic as well, the dance mm-hmm. between the opening and the the safety and and how to be that for your partner as well especially ladies in how you show up for and hold the men in your lives mm. and it is a <laughs> it's something that you have to work at and something that you have to learn and be in the work in every single day as often as possible because you'll see so much of your shit and there's so much conditioning not just in men but in women as well around who we expect sometimes a man to be, like you said, which is always strong, always able to hold anything and everything. And again, it causes this this disconnect in relationships. It's not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's such, you know, like when, when I think back to like relationships, like it's like in my, in my experience, it was such an external thing where I needed my partner to be something or someone, or I thought they should be and all of these things. And that plays out like, you know, through the honeymoon phase, you know, really express who we are or all of it. We hide bits and pieces and then we get into a relationship and we've been in a relationship for a period of time and like all this stuff starts coming up. And it's only because we haven't really dealt with ourselves that we projected out onto our partner. And that's, you know, another whole element of conflict before we even get to these parts we're talking about is like where are you not taking responsibility for your experience it's heavy to own that like it's like okay if i want to experience this relationship what am i not owning right now and both partners in a relationship need to own that for the relationship to really cultivate or work or to even get to the point where you can do these practices. You can have these conversations. You can have that level of trust to even be able to open up because trust open, then the relationship starts. (laughs) Then we're actually relating. We're not just relating to ourselves and then projecting that out into our partner and expecting them to fulfill our needs. Yeah. It's that, it's that big part. I want to interrupt you for a second (laughs) because I really want to ask a question. I don't want to lose it. So apologies for interrupting. However, I'm curious how you feel like in relationship people can balance between the space of totally owning their stuff and also showing up for their needs in a relationship. How, how do you feel like you, you can walk the balance between those two things? So showing up for themselves and showing up for their needs. Yeah, so relationship, sorry. Yeah, so fully showing up in ownership, like this is my stuff, I own it, but also I also need this and I need to be able to communicate my needs. How do you because this is something I've personally struggled Mm -hmm. with in relationship in the past, a space between okay, I know this is all mine because it's happening here. And I think as human beings, we have certain needs in relationship as well when it comes to love, when it comes to affection, when it comes to sex, when it comes to all of the things. So how do you find the balance in your opinion between this is all mine and I own it all (laughs) and I also need? Yeah, so it's going to take a level of awareness and a level of doing the work to get to that point of 
I own this is all my shit. And yes, I am projecting it out. And I would like some support in this as well as taking responsibility to go, okay, where can I actually, I don't really like the word deal with it myself, but where can I actually start to maybe do some practices, whether that be somatic practices or any of these kinds of things to alleviate some of this, or how can I, you know, if I'm holding resentment, if I'm holding resentment towards a partner, which is a big thing, resentment, if you're looking to change your life, look at all the places you resent people or things or anything, resentment is a good place to start. Where am I holding relation? Where am I holding resentment in the relationship? And is that the thing, or is it where am I not self-expressing myself in the relationship? Where am I not being with the shame that I have about myself? Where am I not accepting myself? And am I bringing that into the relationship? Like where where have I had the opportunities to ask for what I want in the relationship and not taken it? And then now I have resentment towards myself or guilt or shame or any of these things. Like we, we can normally navigate it to a degree ourselves. Then when we navigate it ourselves to a degree and work through the emotional stuff, we can come to the relationship as a different person and communicate in an effective way and not in a reactive way or a charged way where it can have the opportunity to really nourish and grow that relationship. We're holding ourselves responsible for what we're experiencing because what we're experiencing is usually only a part of what we're experiencing. And when we realize that we can navigate that other part that's not seen and work through that ourselves, whether that be through different practices, meditation, somatic processes, whatever it may be that is needed, you're going to come from a different place within that relationship and asking for what you need. You're going to be open to receiving it in different ways rather than not being open to receive it because you have an ideal of how you want to receive it, a one way. Not, <laughs> it's like I need to have this and it needs to be like this. And you're like, well, I'm not open. I'm not actually available for that and I can do it like this. Are you open to that? So you still receive your thing, but it might not be the way you want it. Mm. Where in your life are you not giving yourself that first before you even ask another to give that to you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I could oh. just I could just keep listening to you speak, yeah. but I have like a thousand questions running through my head. Mm. Beautiful. So in your opinion, hmm. <laughs> what do you feel would be a good way for a woman to communicate her needs to her man in intimate relationship? I think profoundly the woman would need to know her needs and values on a pretty intimate level before mm-hmm. you can actually communicate these kind of things. Otherwise, it's quite possible to get miscommunicated, mis- mistranslated in actually trying to communicate and it could come across a different way and then perceive a different thing, then you don't get what you then then you don't get what you even want to experience in that exchange, which would cause you not to do it again and then it shut down. So it's like really getting clear on what your needs are and what you're not giving yourself first. And then what do you actually want from a partner? You can't ask for something without knowing what the other person actually wants either. So it's like you can't have your expectations of what your needs are and then impress them on someone else without knowing what that other person desires as well because it's meeting someone where they're at as well as meeting yourself where you're at and then it's 
a conversation <laughs> within that. It's not, this is what my needs are. And if you don't meet them, then you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not from a guy's perspective. If you're not going to give me sex three times a week, then you're not the person for me. And it's like, this tends to play out like that. And it's just like, that's like two children throwing tantrums in a relationship. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We, we really need to know ourselves and we need to know our partner or our whatever lover or we need to know what they, what they need from that relationship. And then it's a conversation and a navigation and like it, it's not a dictation. It's we, we really need to come to a conclusion and an agreement of that relationship. Then it's an agreement. We agreed on this is how we turn up in this relationship. Then there's no unsaid expectations. There's only what is the agreement. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, we agreed on this. And if the agreement changes, it's having another conversation of, I know we agreed on this, but at the moment I'm not feeling that I can fulfill this agreement. Is there some way we can navigate another agreement? Like it can be that simple. Yes, it's awkward and uncomfortable to get these conversations going. But once you get them going, it can be like just life-changing. It's life-changing because you can do this with anything and everyone. It's like this is where people-pleasing is no longer people-pleasing. It's like we're coming from a place of like authenticity. It's like Mm. I know I said that and I'm leading my life and I'm leading others, but I know I said that and I'm happy to own that. Now that does not align with me. And this is what I'm doing moving forward. Are you with me or not? Cool. I'm I'm going here. This is so perfect because you've said so many important things. And something that I say when working with female clients, I give them a whole process around asking for what they need. I was curious around what you thought about it. But the biggest key is asking your partner or anyone in your life, in my opinion, what do you need from me so that you can provide this, right? Because like you said, there's another person who has needs. And when you're just coming in like this, this dictatorship, it's not a conversation, it's not an opening, it's a closure and both people end up closed. So there's really a big piece that a lot of people are missing, in my opinion, when asking for their needs. They're not asking what the other person needs to actually meet them or if they even have the capacity to actually meet them. It's all just me and here's my stuff. (laughs) Either you meet it or you're in trouble and it doesn't work. And something else you said as well is around knowing the purpose. So this is how I heard it around knowing the purpose for being in that relationship Also allowing each other to grow and expand because we're ever-changing, ever-growing beings and never getting to a point where you're like, I know that person because you never will and you never do. (laughs) So it's, right? It's allowing space to relearn the people in your life every day, um, not coming as often as you can, not coming with all of your stories and all of your preconceived stuff and all of your history and saying, that is you, here is the box, that is you, I'm done learning. It doesn't work. But I want to ask you on that note, what you feel like, I guess it's really individual, but what do you feel like is the purpose of relationship? Mm. Um, (laughs) like what comes to mind is like (laughs) relationship is really how we relate to everything and we relate to everything like I have a relationship to this glass I have a relationship to a pencil I have a relationship to my son I have a relationship to trees I have all these different relationships in my life 
and how we relight really is how we relight our experience. <laughs> so if your experience sucks, then your relationships with this reality suck. <laughs> and, and that's the simplest form. It's like, well, if you want to have more profound relationships, more intimacy, more of these things, then it's like looking at the way you relate to yourself first and how that relationship was formed. And that's a conversation around nature and nurture and all of these things and how you can start to shift that relationship into something more profound than what it is now. And there's no end to that. It's not a place to get to because when we create that, then we usually create this massive gap in our head. And then it's like, oh, well, if I can't have it now, then I'm not going to do the thing. It's like, okay, well, this is why appreciate the journey. You're on the journey. This is why people talk about the journey thing the whole time, because it's about who you're becoming and who you're unfolding to, not who I wish to be, or I want, if I can't be that person, then I'm not even going to bother trying. Yeah. Can't remember the question again. <laughs> it, yeah. It has, our relationship to ourselves really dictates every other relationship. It really, it really does. In, in my experience, from within me and from coaching as well, like when we can shift the relationship internally in someone, get to them to see different aspects of themselves and love and appreciate and accept all of the parts that we are, then that shifts all the external relationships. It shifts everything because we're no longer seeing things normally as objects. We see them as more than just objects in our reality or in this dimension or whatever. Mm. I completely agree. I think um, everything relates back to self and how you're being with self and who you're being as self. (laughs) It all starts from there. It all stems from there. So it comes back down to what we've been speaking about this whole call, which is ownership and awareness, which are like the biggest keys in everything we do, in my opinions, and love. I think that it's a really good idea for people to, when they're entering into relationship, to have a conversation around what the purpose for the relationship is going to be. Like you said earlier, so when you're having conversations, it's like, this is what we agreed this kind of container between us is going to be that either it's a sexual relationship where we're going to to heal a bunch of sexual wounds and have this kind of thing, or it's a relationship where you know, we're planning a life together, we're intimate um, and we're healing at another level where it's about soul or if it's just, you know, whatever it is between two people. I think it's really important to have a conversation to also make sure that you align because what I see a lot is (laughs) people getting into relationship based on attraction alone instead of looking at alignment. I see most of the day. It's good post. I'm good. (laughs) For anyone that's listening, there was a post around attraction not being the be-all, end-all in relationship. There's a lot more that we need to begin focusing on so we can come back together and stop creating such a mess. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Is there anything else? This call has flown. It has been like the biggest pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else? you feel called to drop in anything else you want to say. And I'm also going to ask about your services in a minute, but we'll Mm -hmm. stick with the first question. (laughs) If anyone's like really just starting out, it's really like not getting lost in all of the things that are out there. Like there's so many coaching modalities. There's so many coaches. There's so many 
like experiences, whether that be like breath work and retreats and all of these things. There's so many things out there, not getting lost in like consistently doing these things, even though I'm, I do these things. <laughs> it's really having the ability to self-reflect. If you feel like lost at all, at any time or unclear, it's kind of normal. You don't need something else to fulfill that void. It's really the more you can be with yourself, the more you can take responsibility for your experience, the more you'll have the ability to experience any of these coaching things or any of these kind of modalities or experiences, retreats, you'll have more of an experience there and more of a profound shift in your experience. The more you can be with yourself and the attention of being with yourself, if you're not great at it, it's something to cultivate and it's something that helped me a lot. Like just being able to be with myself for hours, whether that be hours and hours of meditation by yourself, really getting to know yourself because your shit will come up when you're by yourself. <laughs> it doesn't cost anything. And if money's a thing, then that's a good place to start. But if you're past that and you want more knowledge and more experience, then yeah, coaching and all of these other things are definitely there. But I just see a lot and I've, and I've been that person where we just jump from one thing to another, but we don't actually spend the time to integrate that because it feels good. <laughs> it's like we just stay in our head. Again, we're in our head. We're, we're just feeding our mind, mind's endless need to know. We're not actually being in the unknown at all. We say we are, but we're not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like it doesn't cost anything to be with yourself for a period of day, seven days a week. It doesn't cost you anything. And you'll have more breakthroughs there in this day and age we live in. You'll have more breakthroughs in that 10 minutes, half an hour, hour, whatever you've got to cultivate with yourself. You'll get more breakthroughs in that than you will reading a book and then trying to implement it when you're fried, your nervous system's fried and you're in fight and flight. You're just not going to have a chance. You're going to go back to what we've talked to today and just be in that reactive energy. So, yeah, I think I think that gives a little bit of insight. There's something I want to, oh, this is a whole nother tangent. There's something I want to cultivate. Like there's something I want to build. It's like, no, I'll just say it. It doesn't matter. Then I can kick me into it. There's this thing I want to build out is like a path, like like we're meeting people where they're at, and then how can we? What's the best? What's the next step for that person? What does that look like? Like, and everyone's journey is different, but it's like okay, well, if you got a roadmap of like where a person is uh, mentally, physically, and emotionally, like then what's the next step for that person? What what can they experience to get the biggest shift or in their life? And everyone's going to be different, but it would be super handy to know kind of like, here, here's a map. This is where you're at. This is how you think. This this is kind of what, what you need to learn about. Rather than people learn so high-end stuff, they might learn about masculine and feminine energy, but they haven't learned anything about being a man or a woman. Yes. <laughs> so they have no context to energy, really. Yes. So they've jumped a gap and they've got a big gap and they can't implement masculine and feminine energy because they haven't learned about these things. So it's like, this is the power of coaching. This is what, because we've all experienced, we kind of get where a person is and what they kind of need next. 
if they know about this, but they don't know about that, well, the biggest shift is teaching this person that and how to embody that. It just makes sense. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with everything mm. you just said. It's something I've been speaking into a lot around how much is out there and really limiting the noise so that you can actually hear yourself and be with yourself again which there's mowing that's just started outside. I'm sure you can hear it. No, just just not. (laughs) But yeah, you will learn like the one tool that I can promise you will be the most healing tool you'll ever experience in your life is silence, undistracted silence with you. It's the only thing that's guaranteed, in my opinion, to like fully help you on your journey. And I think you should create that. I'm going to shoot on you, (laughs) make that because that's so true. There's these gaps that happen and I experienced it in my own journey and you, you can't, there's big pieces that you, you need to have for things to make sense for you to, you know, for you to get certain things that are maybe, you know, higher up the consciousness scale or vibration scale, however you want to put it. So you have to fill in the gaps and having someone that knows where the gap is and how to help you go step by step is really cool. It's like, you can't go from, you know, usually (laughs) from like sadness and grief and, you know, sitting in like the deepest depression to like this massive amount of joy, unless you're very well practiced in your somatic work. (laughs) Like you have to have all the in-between stuff as well. So I really hope that you create that because it would be super, super useful. It's been been a nudge for the last six months. So Okay, I'm going to give you the final nudge just so it can push you over the edge with that and you can get it done. (laughs) Amazing. So for anyone that is listening and wants to know more about the work that you do or any programs or anything you have running, what have you got cracking at the moment and where can people find you? Uh, Next intake of my core program. Uh, So it's a four-month program. So if you're interested in anything we've talked about here, we go through a lot of that and a whole lot more. So I personally start with like understanding your biology. So understanding your epigenetic expression, we go through that and then go through the men and women thing, relationship stuff, understanding yourself, and then just kind of gets deeper and deeper and deeper and compounds on itself. Um, If you're interested in any of that kind of stuff, it's just reaching out. You can book a a clarity call, only a 15-minute call just to see if it, uh, suitability and then we can have a deeper conversation after that if necessary so it's called the shift amazing and can people find you on social media um, yeah social media um probably at this stage would be facebook so just sean o'neill you can find me there my instagram account just got shut down so i'm starting a new one <laughs> so that would be the best place to find me right now <laughs> Beautiful. I'll also pop up all the links um, as well so people can find you there also. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much for um, this conversation. Yeah, it was so beautiful. I just love, I loved it. (laughs) Every piece, I feel like I could have gone on for another like three hours. I could Um, easily talk, talk, talk. Yeah, I'm going to have to have you back. You're going to have to come back so we can. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inner Grace. We hope it is another step in your own journey of remembering the deepest truth of who you are. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to drop a comment, stop by on social media or subscribe if you'd like to be notified of juicy new episodes. 
See you next time.